The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept, and one we will explore today on the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon again today talking to you from sunny Arizona. I have to say I'm not sitting in the midst of quite so many boxes, but I'm still trying to get things put away. So if I sound a little strange today, it's because I've been unpacking from the move all week and still am not quite finished. And I don't even have that much stuff. So you you, you, you figure out what I do with my time, I guess. You know, we've had some tough times. I don't need to tell you that. Um, for the past couple of years, the economy's been a little tough all around the world. There have been riots because of the economy. There have been countries in serious trouble. People have lost their jobs. Some of them have remained out of work for a very long time. Some have gone bankrupt. Some have lost their homes. And it looks like this may continue for a little while longer, although there's some signs of hope now. Along the way, there's always hope. You just have to look for it. We'll get through it. And some of us are going to learn some very powerful lessons about what our priorities are. It's in these kind of times that we need to reach for that wonderful resource that most of us in the human race have, and that's humor. There are always funny things that happen along the way. You can look for them. And when we laugh, we restore our equilibrium in so many ways. It's a time now when we need people who can make us laugh. Lighten the load with humor. One of my favorite quotes is by G.K. Chesterton who says, Angels fly because they take themselves lightly. And in these times, we need to take ourselves and some of the things happening a little more lightly, and I don't mean to be flippant about that, but to keep on keeping on, you really need some humor. And today's guest is a person for just such a time. She is a joyologist. Yep, that's what I said, a joyologist. And she lives in New Zealand, and actually she's already in tomorrow, which totally boggles my mind. Here it's Thursday, there it's Friday. Um, She's quite a few hours ahead of us, as you can gather. I think it's still morning for her. Pat Armistead is the world's first joyologist. She's a thought leader in the field of joy as a transformational agent. I want you to hear that, joy as a transformational agent. She's been called New Zealand's answer to Patch Adams. She's been called the Mother Teresa of joy. And my favorite is... 
She's been called a spiritual midwife delivering people out of the darkness. Don't you got to love that? She worked as a registered nurse in nursing education and as a director of nursing services for 16 years before founding her own advertising agency, Take One Productions, in Australia. She was president of the National Speakers Association in New Zealand for 2001, the most awarded speaker at the 2000 New Zealand Speakers Convention, and was a 2002 New Zealand Speaker of the Year. This woman knows how to talk. She has toured internationally with Dr. Patch Adams, and I wish I could have been along for the ride. She's worked with four Jungian psychotherapists using casting and storytelling and now uses this to support people moving through grief and loss. She authored the book Humor Works, and her vision is to be a voice for all that is joyful about humanity. And she says she's here to inspire hope, liberate compassion, and evoke joy. It is such a pleasure for me to welcome to the Self-Improvement Show, Pat Armistead. Pat, welcome. <laughs> Kia ora. That's the New Zealand greeting. And while I'm not a Kiwi, um, I'll use that greeting. Hello, Irene. Awesome, awesome to be in communication. Oh, it's, it's just absolutely wonderful. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, who, who is Pat? Pat Armitstead. Pat Armitstead, I think, um, is a compassionate person who's always had an innate ability to see the good and has only harnessed that in the last 10 to 12 years. And, um, you know, I get joy myself out of what I do as well as um, delivering joy to others. Now, I know that everything in your life has not been perfect. You're not coming to this state in life without having a few bumps and bruises. Uh, we all have them at some point, unless we've lived in a bottle or, you know, or a box. Um, I just want the listeners to know that as joyful as you are, you had to survive some hard times. And if you want to share any of that with us, that's perfectly fine. If you don't, that's okay too. But you're real. You know, yes, you're real. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I'd love to share it actually because um, what I've really seen is in my very worst moment um, following a whole series of losses, I accessed um, my most brilliant self and I think that's possible for everybody. Um, 10, 12 years ago, I lost my home and my business in Australia, relocated to New Zealand to begin again. Um, the first 18 months that I was here, and you might not believe I had, but I had 10 car accidents, none of which were my fault, Irene. Um, uh, and Ten car accidents bashes yeah. you up pretty well. <laughs> um, I'd lost my first child, a daughter, and um, then my partner of 20 years left. And it was in that moment that I plummeted. Um, I had managed and coped with all those other losses, but when he left, um, I was shattered. You know, um, words can um, tear people apart. And one of the things he said to me was, no, I don't love you. And I never, and I never loved you. 
And in that moment, I thought, if that's the truth, then everything else I've known is not true. Are you there? I'm here. I'm just yes. listening. <laughs> um, it's just gone quiet. Um, and then um, I attended a grieving seminar at Starship Hospital, Youth Children's Hospital in Auckland. There were 400 parents who'd lost um, children. And um, on that night, sat next to a man who changed my life. He'd lost his 14-year-old son as a result of a, uh, a fall. And um, we had a And then a couple of hours later, I had a communication with a magician in South Australia who had me laughing my head off and he wasn't telling me any jokes. And it was in that conversation with him that I had the biggest aha in my life. Um, he was telling me about yogic laughter, um, which some of your listeners will probably be familiar with fun you're having when you're not really having fun. Right. And what and while we were talking I thought, oh, just look at this. We've got radiology and pathology and hematology, but no joyology. I'm gonna be a joyologist. And and so that was uh, and I certainly wouldn't have had access to that if I hadn't been been taken to the depths of despair. And that's why I say you're so real. I think you're almost like the phoenix. You rose from the ashes because you were really at the bottom when this came to you, as, as I understand it. So you call yourself a joyologist. Tell us what you, what you believe a joyologist is. What is a joyologist? Well, as the name suggests, any ologist is someone who studies whatever you know is proceeding. So, exactly. Um, <laughs> in the, the last ten years, especially, I've been um, researching and working with ways in which to find joy as a source of well-being, and that's irrespective of current circumstances. So, supporting people to um, see the beauty where it appears there is none to see the good where it appears none exists. Um, and I think I've always had an innate ability to do that. Um, but I really only gave a name to it 10 years ago. And it's I a wonderful it's a wonderful name. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, I also think on the night that I had that aha, I sat with 400 parents who'd lost their children and the grief and anguish in that room, as you can imagine, was awful. And then, not two hours later, I'm talking to a magician and laughing my head off because he's not even telling me jokes, he's just telling me about pretend laughter. And I, I really felt I'd experienced in that window of time every emotion that there was. And I thought the very fact that we're able to do that is incredible and I think that's a joy as well and um, I think what I do now is help people to tap into where they are emotionally and appreciate what the messages are around the emotions that are being felt and help them arrive ultimately at a place of equanimity. I really like that word equanimity. 
And you don't just go where the laughter comes easy, as I understand it. You work with people who are seriously ill, uh, with children, with corporations that are in trouble. Um, you don't go where the pickings are easy. I do a little stand-up. <laughs> um, no, although I have studied improv acting and other forms of method acting. acting. No. Um, yeah, I think I've been perhaps doubly blessed. A lot of people, well, some people anyway, um, are very, very clear on their purpose. And, for example, they're a photographer and they're a photographer all their life. So I've done a range of things and initially I wanted to be an artist but my mother said, well, that's lovely dear, but I think you should find a proper job and so I ended up going nursing, um, which I ended up loving. I'd never intended to be a nurse and um, after 16 years was burnt out and then by default got into advertising and it was here I got into um, full creative self-expression. And now I just see the protection, you know, some 30-odd years down the track of being able to marry my compassionate and creative self and deliver into both the health and the business sector, um, to work with groups and to work with individuals and um, to have a real listening space. And my nursing background gave me that, you know. Um, as a nurse, you walk into someone's personal space and immediately are in an intimate relationship and so you know or you develop very quickly ways to high trust environment and I think that's the basis of all of my work. Um, Nursing was a wonderful preparation for you. I'm a nurse as well and I know what it's like to walk into the room of someone who's very, very ill and there's there has to be immediate bonding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I attended a, a presentation once in Australia. A statistician was presenting and she just started uh, telling us all the facts and figures around all of the statistics for everything you could think of in Australia, all the different incidences of cancer, children being injured, drownings, uh, etc. And there were about... Uh, I'm not sure how many people in the room, several hundred people in the room. And as she was talking, I thought, oh, from here on, I really don't need to know what's going on for anyone that I meet in that first instance. I just need to know that any one part of this could be so. And and that's what's coming through the door. And, and this is what I tell businesses to you know, really broaden their um, thinking around the influence, the things that are impacting people and that lets them shift how they be and they're much more open and can be much more responsive. Now, you've learned to use humour and when we come back from break, I want to talk a little bit about how you were able to break into dealing with people in such dire circumstances and use humor t- to help change their state. Would that be okay with you? Absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a little break right now. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Pat Armistead saying stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of the Self-Improvement Show.
Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at World Talk Radio. Are you looking to improve your personal or professional branding? What about your business? We've got a program that will help streamline your image management. Tune in to Marketing Matters, hosted by Yasmeen Anderson-Smith. Your business and public image is important to your customers' perceptions. And in this day and age, how you market yourself or your company can make the difference between running a successful business and shutting it down. Marketing Matters can be heard every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on World Talk Radio Variety. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Pat Armistead, who's in New Zealand and is in tomorrow, which is just so lovely. We were talking about her her life as a joyologist, and she works with some very challenging people, people who are in, in real trouble with grief or you know serious problems in their life. And Pat, how did you learn to... Break into those, break in is not probably a good choice of words, but to interface with, with the people and help them turn around by using humor. Because you can't just go in and start telling jokes. How do you do that? <laughs> Look, I think um, my mother gave me a great gift in telling me, you know, to get a proper job. Um, I went nursing and I trained under the old system and, you know, we had preliminary training before we actually got to see a real patient. And the very um, significant story is, the very first man that I ever bed bathed was a man by the name of Bob Hall. I was 16 years old, 16 and 10 months to be exact, and he had been um, very seriously injured. A crane had fallen on him. He had about 35 broken bones. And he'd literally been flattened. When he came into casualty, they gathered around the bedside and shook their heads and pretty much said, he's not going to make it. And time passed and he was still alive. And they debated him to theatre. And at that point, the conversation was going, well, gosh, he probably won't survive the anaesthetic, and they risked anyway. And so 
We went to theatre and they, at that point, they were saying, well, the porter will probably be a vegetable. So they're wheeling him back um, to recovery after the theatre. He didn't die on the table. And as they're wheeling him back, he woke up and revealed he was indeed not a vegetable. And at that <laughs> point, the thing went, well, he probably will never walk again. So Bob Hall was in hospital the whole three years of my general nurse training. He went home again sabbatical with um, wife and family, but in essence he was there the whole time. Every day that I was on duty for that three years, even if I wasn't on Bob's ward, um, I made it my mission to go and see Bob and um, have some fun. Now, I need to tell you here that I spent an awful lot of time in Matron's office. <laughs> I got yes. Into a, <laughs> I got into a fair amount of trouble. Um, and I'm pleased to tell you, Bob walked on two sticks to my graduation ceremony. And when the ceremony proper was over, he stood up and waved one of those sticks and said he had something to say. It was this point I was starting to get a bit worried because, you know, Mum's sitting in the front row and um, I kind of knew what he was going to talk about. And he came down the front and he had this big scroll, um, it was a piece of it, and he just rolled it out and he started rattling off all the dreadful tricks and pranks and the horrible things that I'd done to him over that three years. And every now and again my mother would go, oh, Patricia, you didn't. <laughs> and when, when he'd finished, I don't know what nurses in America do, and I think it's changed a bit now that it's university-based. There's not the same camaraderie. No, it's not as much fun. Mischief. So, you know, we would do things like put, I don't know, put effervescent um, powder in his urinal, you know, when he would be, <laughs> you know, emptying his bladder in bed and so it would fizz up and put um, mercurochrome around the neck of that so he'd have a, a red ring around his pubes and um, and so on. There were hundreds of them. And at the end he turned to me and he said, you don't know what you did. And, and Irene, it's really only 10 years ago when my life turned to custard that I really got it. Um, my innate capacity to be good-humoured and to, to go with my natural self, even though I've got into trouble sometimes, um, has been perhaps the saving grace of so many people. And I got some of that from my father, and the rest I think I tapped into really at, um, at this very beginning point way back then. And then now um, I, I understand a whole lot more about being present. And so I know I set out with an intention, with intention, not necessarily for a particular thing to happen, but just in intention, and all manner of things show up, some of which are funny and some of which are not. Not <laughs> <And> so funny. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, do you really believe humor can transform people's lives? But you're giving me examples of how that has how that has taken place. Um, it's, it's, t give us a couple more stories, if you can, about people whose lives have changed because of humor. 
me, well, 10 years ago when uh, after that conversation with Peter Salerno, the magician in South Australia, um, I really was, was like, okay, so now I'm going to be a joyologist. What on earth does a joyologist do? And for about two weeks, I was like fretting about, you know, asking for guidance, insights. Give us a hint. <laughs> um, I've thought of the name, but now what? And then, and then it struck me to um, stop worrying and just get really clever. And so I approached a friend here in New Zealand who owned a couple of rest homes and I went across to Australia and I learnt the yogic practices and came back and I ran a pilot in the rest home. And I taught the 29 residents and the staff this 20-minute yogic laughter workout and they did it religiously every day for 90 days. At the end of that period, um, they were accredited as New Zealand's first accredited laughter facility. Went on to achieve a world record in the Guinness Book of Records for laughing continuously for one hour. I had them do that in rounders just so that they didn't get too tired. They were quite old, some of them. Um, and what I saw over that period was even with pretend laughter, funny exercises are just so silly. You would have seen yogic laughter in action. Have you? I have. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's silly <laughs> enough to make you laugh. Yeah. So have I lost you? Um, what happened over that 90 days was the energy was elevated and it was sustained over time without anyone else's influence. And, and that was a very powerful learning to um, see, see these people who were often flat, emotionally flat, to be able to energetically step into another place and sustain that over time um, was remarkable and um, was the impulse for me to do a second pilot um, really looking at um, expanding what an activities program might be about. And uh, I believe over the next 12 months we've created the most extensive and varied activities program, certainly in New Zealand and um, maybe further afield. Yeah, when people are in a nursing home, it's sometimes a very sad scene because people are not motivated to do anything. They, you know, they really have very little on their mind. And for you to bring about that kind of change is really quite remarkable. You know, you have some recommendations that you would make to people who are out there hurting right now. I think you have five of them. Tell us what these recommendations are. I'd like to start with, and I think it kind of encompasses um, my thoughts beautifully. It's a piece from the Dalai Lama. He says, what you wish to experience, provide for another. Look to see now what it is you wish to experience in your own life and in the world. Then see if there is another for whom you may be the source of that. If you wish to experience peace, provide peace for another. If you wish to know that you are safe, cause another to know that they are safe. If you wish to understand seemingly incomprehensible, help another to understand. If you wish to heal your own sadness or anger, seek to heal the sadness or anger of another. And, and it goes on and 
he invites you to do that now. And um, for myself, looking at the five things that I think are most important is number one to to seek out and find um, a, a way to heal and move through what's happened, and to shed the mask and really step into your true authentic place, um, allow the vulnerability. Number two, uh, as um, the Dalai Lama suggests, contribution. Um, there is no better healing that takes place than when you're in that contributory place. At the time that I did that first pilot in the rest home, um, my family weren't speaking. Um, you know, my whole world had kind of disintegrated, yet I got up and I drove to this rest home and sometimes I would cry on the way there and cry on the way back. But I would walk in and 29 elderly people loved me. And as I contributed to them and brought good humour and humour and fun, um, so they started to heal and their healing was my healing. So it was that very much a mirror thing. And um, they loved me. There were two ladies there and they would wait at the door um, for me to arrive and you'd often I'd hear them as, a, as I came in and they'd say things like, I wonder what she's wearing today. <laughs> um, <laughs> so creating that anticipatory thing because I never, um, I never really sit with convention anymore. So there's healing and shedding the mask, being a contribution and um, honouring the good. Um, there is so much good happening in this world, but the media and others would lead us to German bloom and exploring ourselves back to the distance around us and um, be looking for the gem because there will be a gem. It may not be apparent in the immediate moment, but it will be, it will be a gem. I used journaling um, to great benefit. And I have done front of mind journaling in the morning and a gratitude journal at night. And if you do that consistently over time, it creates such a, a powerful message to you about where you're at and um, it will bring up synchronicities. It will demonstrate gifts that are coming in that might not be apparent in the day, but over a period of time, you start to see. And, and it changes uh, your own thinking and outlook. Yes. Yes. You know, you really begin to see the gems and see the growth. Um, I was bitterly jealous when my ex left um, 10 years ago. Uh, the woman that he uh, was interested in at that time was slim and blonde. And, um, you know, I, uh, I was consumed by jealousy. And I knew that would kill me, you know, I'd get an illness if I didn't do something about it. And so I worked a lot on um, healing myself around that and um, taking back some value for myself, not wanting to be like somebody else. And, and so the healing continued. Yeah. And Pat, it's time for us to go to a, another break. When we come back, I'd like to you, for you to talk a little bit about your journeys with Patch Adams. Okay, this, a pleasure. Ah, this is Irene Conlon with my guest Pat Armistead saying stay tuned.
Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness is delighted to finally have the opportunity to fulfill the requests of our many guests and listeners to extend the Mind, Brain, and Body experience to a second hour. Tune in for The Lyceum, Critiques of Ancient and Modern Understanding with Dr. Michael Kell. The purpose of this show is to explore and expand upon mankind's continual efforts to explain why we exist. Join us each week as we continue our fireside chats with some of the most remarkable thinkers living today. The Lyceum airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Variety. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Pat Armistead. If uh, the connection seemed a little scratchy to you, we think that we've got it all fixed now. We're about to find out. One of the people that I have admired over the years is Dr. Patch Adams because he has brought such wonderful gifts to his to his work. He used humor in just some of the funniest ways and got severely criticized for it by many uh, in the medical field. If I got to travel with anybody, I think it would be Patch Adams that I would like to go with. And Pat Armistead has had the privilege of doing that. Pat, how did you get to go with Patch Adams? And tell us a little bit about how it was. I had I met a, a woman who had travelled with Patch about 10 years beforehand and she showed me the photographs from that tour and this was a tour through Russia's orphanages and one of those photos uh, in that collection was of a child with bilateral hair lip and cleft palate who was never going to have corrective surgery. And within that moment I just was called to go because I knew here in New Zealand, for example, uh, by the time a child with that condition reached five, they would have had all the corrective surgery, irrespective of their financial status. Yes. And um, and be ready for school. And so I scurried around and eventually found Patch's number and rang him. And he immediately said to me, he said, Pat, don't come because of me. 
come because you would like to find and spend your clown self. Come because you would like to experience for yourself the disparity between rich and poor. Come because you would like to make at least one Russian friend. Conversation continued and I said, so should I do clown school? And he said, well, you can do clown school if you like, but I suggest you go with the intention of failing because I don't want a polished clown in the bed or standing in the middle of the room doing tricks. I want a collective of people who can walk into any situation, any environment, um, somebody with horrific burns, a child with AIDS, and sit down and make something happen. So very much about being spontaneous. So I spent 12 months. I did a 10-week improv acting course. I did clown school twice and failed on with intention. Um, <laughs> I, I still can't juggle and it doesn't matter. Um, I did School of Philosophy and Storytelling. Um, and then I joined Paction 36 all dressed in clown persona. Um, and off we went. There were no instructions other than there would be no whining. If you didn't get on with your roommate, too bad. If you didn't like the food, too bad. Um, there was something bigger happening. And the whole two weeks was orchestrated so that we, we spent the first week in a terrible hotel, a miner's five-star hotel, and the second week uh, in a five-star hotel with a woman on a dais playing the harp to us at breakfast. Sometimes <laughs> we would eat very poorly with the children, and other times we'd go to a five-star hotel and just uh, be delighted with the cuisine. And um, I'll just share with you perhaps a couple of the experiences. Um, none of us could sing, really. Everyone had a bubble machine. One of the uh, clowns from Japan, she had a, l a little squeeze box, and the only song she could play was You Are My Sunshine. So that was our catch cry. We would get off the bus, set off our bubble machines, she would begin playing You Are My Sunshine, we would sing and 36 people would move towards the facility, just a, uh, an array of colour and, and light and air singing um, the song and we would enter the doors and we would just allow the rest of the day to unfold. There was no plan that we would go here or there or do whatever. And um, the most significant moment for me on the trip was at Sajiev Posad in Moscow. As I walked in the front door, this was a, a, deaf, a school for deaf, dumb and blind. And I walked in the door and a little girl about eight in a blue velvet dress came and took my right hand and led me off into a room at the side and sat me down on the floor. She stood beside me and she started playing with the earrings in my left ear. And in this moment, I'm just present and wondering, like I have no idea what her condition is or there's been no communication at all so far, um, just silence. And I'm just present and open and aware, wondering what's going to happen. So she's playing with my earrings and then she starts to hum. And I could tell then by the tonal quality of her voice that she was deaf. And she hummed for a time and then she stopped. 
and she's still hanging on to my ear and playing with my earring. And so I thought, ah, it's my turn, so I'll hum. She hummed and I hummed for 45 minutes. And in that 45 minutes, um, there were no other thoughts. There was just her and I in this connection. There was no thinking, oh gee, I hope they don't forget me. You know, when the bus goes, uh, must remember to get something on the way home. There was none of that. There was just her and I. And I've never been present for anyone else for such an extended period. And it was the most joyous moment of my life. She, of course, was feeling and sensing all of my resonance um, through touch in her fingers, right? And then later that she was um, she was deaf and had um, autism. So that was probably the one of the most profound experiences. Um, we got up to bits of mischief. We we crossed an eight-lane highway one time in single file with six clowns with one of the clowns holding his hand up and blowing a whistle. Um, on the bus one day, Patch said to me. So, what's your love strategy, Pat? And I said, oh, well, I don't know that I have one. I've got a marketing plan. Does that count? And he said, no. Tell, tell me about, you know, he said, tell you what, he said, when you go home, you sit down and you write me two and a half thousand words on what your love strategy is. Send it back to me and um, I'll put it in my book. So, I'm always up for stuff and I came home and I sat down and had to think about what a life strategy might be and wrote what I thought and sent it away. And in due course, Patch wrote back. Um, he only ever writes by hand. Uh, Patch doesn't have a computer. And this handwritten piece of mail arrived and it said, Bravo, well done. For the first time, somebody has replied. And I was quite stunned that all these years with Patch's outreach and he always talks about what's your love strategy and nobody has been answering and uh, one of the things that I'm doing at the moment is inviting people to do that uh, very same thing to think about what's your love strategy and um, be in touch. He also on the bus one time was telling me about his mother who um, is a diabetic and back then she had recently had one leg amputated as a result of um, poor circulation. And uh, this is a perfect example of where appropriate and inappropriate humour has its place because they both do have their place. And so he's with her as she's in the recovery area coming out from the anaesthetic. And as her eyes flutter open, He's holding a hand and patting a hand and he leans in and he says, Well, Ma, now you know what it's like to have one foot in the grave. Oh. And, um, <laughs> for me, that's the... Right? You can't... The relationship has to be there in order to have that kind of humour. And compassionate clowning is not about the juggling or the tricks, although it's wonderful if you can do those things uh, because it is part of the entertainment thing. But what's more important is being able to sit and connect no matter what. And um, to walk into some of these places, um, 
there was no, often there were dirt floors, there were no toilet paper, no hand towels. Um, we ate with the children sometimes, which was very, very poor, um, poor dietary, um, you know, intake. And, um, yeah, profound experience. I would uh, think it was a life changer. It, looking back, how, how did this experience change your life? And I'm sure that you came into your own as a joyologist by doing this with Patch Adams. When I, when I, we all left our own country dressed in persona, so we traveled to Russia dressed as the clown persona that we were going to be. And in the beginning, my clown was quite heavily painted. And as the days unfolded, I really was able to shed the heavy paint and just have a, you know, a heart on my nose and perhaps a couple of dots on my cheek and or maybe just a funny lip line. Um, and one day I w took on the guise of the pathos of the sad clown. Um, the clown is genius. And yet it's really interesting in the business arena, the whole notion of humour is tagged a bit to silly um, in, in some instances. You know, we have fun after work. <laughs> and, um, you know, what I want people to get is the whole notion of being good human. I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. The whole notion of being... Good humour. Because to okay. me, for me, to be good humoured is to be appropriately responsive or not. <laughs> um, and in order to do that, you've got to have such a good listening of the environment that you're in and quickly be able to gather and gauge and um, read people and know what you can do. And, and once you, you get that happening, you can do anything. When I, the biggest learning coming back from the tour was um, friends said to me, um, uh, I had expressed, you know, um, concern about a number of things I noticed when I came back about what people complained about. And they said, oh, you'll get over it, you know, you're just being a bit sensitive given, you know, where you've been back in the real world now. And I thought, no. <laughs> No, so, it's so time for us to go to break again, Pat. I want you to finish that thought when we come back. This is cool. Irene Conlon with my guest, Pat Armistead, saying stay tuned for the last lap on the Self-Improvement Show. making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hi, this is Rochelle and Jeff from Travel Hub Radio with another Travel Hub tip. You're late for your flight and there is a long line at the security checkpoint. What can you do as a traveler to improve time and efficiency and make your flight quickly? One idea is to take everything out of your pockets, such as sunglasses, cell phones, PDAs, pagers, and other metal and electronic objects. Put them in an easily accessible pocket on your carry-on luggage. If security asks you to display or operate these items, they're right there. Plus, you won't hold up the line when you have to do the walk. 
A metal belt buckle or a wristwatch is usually not a problem, but be aware of them and ready to remove them quickly if needed. Wear comfortable shoes that can be quickly slipped off and on if you are asked to remove them. Most of all, if the security personnel give you specific directions or ask you a question, don't argue. Just comply and cooperate. It's not personal, they're just doing their job. For traveling tips and much more, make sure you tune into Travel Hub Radio or listen to the show archives and podcast right here on World Talk Radio and at TravelHubRadio.com. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Pat Armistead, and we've been talking about humor as a change agent, as a healing modality. Pat, before we get into the very last questions, tell us how how people can reach you, and I think you had a special offer you wanted to talk about. Yes, my website is joyology.co.nz, and there's a, a raft of information on there. And um, my, I had two offers, actually, that I, I would like to make to your listeners. Number one, um, I'm very happily gift to them a copy of my book, Humor Works. And we can do that with ease now. Uh, it's now available as a, an e-book, so that can be distributed. And I'd also like to offer um, a free Skype call, a 30-minute Skype call, giving people a bit of a joy jolt um, if people are, would like some help moving on. Um, it's like where's the beginning point, where's the access point to um, to begin implementing some of the practices that take you to a more joyful place. Let me ask you this. Are there more people now who call themselves joyologists? Yes, there are. There's probably, <clears throat> I think there's three or four that I'm aware of around the world and they do... Um, yeah, we each do different things, all with the same intention. I'm the only person who's created an actual model. I have a business model, and that's growing and developing all the time. And me, I pride and joy, actually, to really um, know that now I'm crafting a, a solid base underneath um, that gives it some structure and therefore a lot more usability for people. Now, does this business model include uh, doing work in the healthcare arena as well as in corporations or pretty much anywhere you find the need? How, how do you structure that? Um, yes, I do deliver into both areas. Uh, in the beginning, in the business arena especially, the response would have been something like, well, look, I'm sure you're a very nice lady, Pat, but we actually <laughs> have fun Friday after work. <laughs> and and people are so seeing the need to be uh, concerned for the well-being of their staff um, and learning a lot more about positive psychology and, and the rollout of those practices 
and seeing how it's going to influence in the end productivity. So there's been a shift and I do deliver into both areas. Um, in the business arena, the people who access me are people who operate a very values-based driven business typically and in the health sector it's across the board. I do a lot of work with charities as well. And what is your vision now? What is your vision and why? Um, my vision, talking with Patch, Patch gave me permission to have this vision. He said to me on, on the tour, he said, Pat, he said, set yourself a vision so high that you could never possibly hope to achieve it and then set out and enjoy the journey. So when he said that, I thought, right, okay. I'm going to have joyology departments in every hospital and I'm going to have departments of humour resources in every business. So there's my tongue-in-cheek um, vision. And it hasn't shifted really. It does govern uh, everything that falls in underneath that umbrella. And, and, <laughs> and how are you received? You know, I think of how Patch Adams has been criticized by the medical community. Have you met any of that kind of resistance in either corporations or, or in the medical field? Yes, it's really interesting. The, um, I have a, a lot of friends and, you know, I've had a lot of success. I've done about 700 presentations. I've been presenting a, a regular program at Auckland University for seven years. So while I've managed to develop um, a range of credible um, presentations and build profile, I've been published every month for the last 10 years. I made that a mission. That would be how I would, um, you know, build the profile over time. There is still a range of people who say to me, Pat, it'll never happen. And really it's the naysayers that um, give me the strength, actually. Um, you know, I look back at what I, I dared to do as a young nurse with Bob Hall <laughs> and it's like, you know, I just need to keep living out my life and um, I may or may not create those two departments, but I certainly am going to spread a lot of joy along the way. And in that joy, I am sure that you find more and more of your own joy. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it's got, got to come back. Um, yes. Yeah. What drives you? I think um, I know myself now when I speak and present and the light goes on for somebody um, I just experience such joy and well-being for myself it's like yes and then when I paint and create um, in those moments I don't need anybody and I'm absolutely at one with myself and I know for me to experience, you know, a fulfilled life, I just need to be living as often as possible in those two places. And um, I know I'm fulfilling on my purpose. I think that's the biggest thing. Fantastic. We're right up to the very end of this show, Pat. What is the thought you'd like to leave with the listeners? What can they do? What 
you know, what do you have to tell them? Well, I think my end with, you know, two things. You are here to bring joy, not just into your own life, but into the lives of others. And my invitation is to be the change you want to see in the world and to just set out each day with that purpose. And you only need to do one thing a day. That's 365 things a year, and that's transformative. I can't think of any better advice. Next week's guest is Gary Spinell. He's the author of the book, It Was You All Along. We're going to be talking about creating the life you want and some of the things that keep you from doing that. I want to thank you, Pat, for being with us today. What a wonderful story um, and what lovely challenges you've left us with. Wonderful, and thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight. It's been my pleasure, absolutely. Um, the, this broadcast will be posted tomorrow on the Self-Improvement blog, and I will see to it that Pat's uh, offer of her book and her half hour is listed there as well with her email address or her website so you can reach her easily. Pat, thank you so much. This is Irene Conlon with the Self-Improvement Show saying, come back again next week and hear what Gary Spinell has to say. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.